Yes, it is. It's on the okay. screen, yeah. Well, that looks good for us. It looks like we're all on the air. What with all COVID and goodness knows what, goodness knows what happened to the airwaves. Uh, <laughs> sending out emails and they're not getting there or they're taking their time. I had a load come the other day, by the way, people, that were three days old. And I thought, talk about queuing. <laughs> Well, this morning we're going to introduce Solomon Wilson to you. He's a minister of the word, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy what Solomon's going to share with us. But before we start, um, Eddie Rowlands, one of our retired pastors at New Life Family Church in Margate, he's actually sent in a piece, and I just want to read this to you. He's based it on Acts 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up in, taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Mm. And he goes on to say that less than a month previous to that, that particular verse, that, that happening, everybody had seen Jesus crucified on the Roman cross. Then followed a series of startling events, beginning with him rising from the dead, meeting with them, eating with them, and instructing them in their future work. Hardly a dream or um, hype or anything else. And Luke tells us in Acts 1 verse 3 that he also presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many infallible proofs. So it isn't just one person say so. Now, as they stand in awe, watching him take up, taken up and disappear into a cloud, two men dressed in white suddenly appear and remind them that, you know what, he's coming back. Okay. In the New Testament, one of every 25 verses approximately refers to the fact that Jesus is coming again. Okay. Jesus himself said that he was going to prepare a place for us and that in his own words, this is what he said, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Mm. That was in John 14, verse 3. And they were left with the promise that Jesus would return. And this promise is the word of the Lord for us today. It's a personal mm. word for each of us, you and me. And John 13, verse 1 said, that's just left you with this beautiful, tiny, tiny little mention, but don't let your heart be troubled. I think that's wonderful, especially in this day and age, because we're certainly living, aren't we, Solomon, in troublesome times. Yeah. But by his grace, we need to remember the promise that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, is, is coming again. And Hebrews 9, verse 28 says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Titus 2, verse 11 through to 13 tells us how we should live as we look for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Yes, we do believe that Jesus is coming again. The words of the angels will come to pass. And he will come in like manner, as they promised, right out of the sky. He will come suddenly, visibly, and personally. And as a child of God, he will be coming for you, and for me, and for Solomon, and for everybody else we know. He said he would die and rise again. Well, he did. He said he would build his church, and he is. And he said he would come again, so he will. And in the words of Revelation 24, 2 verse 20 we respond amen come lord jesus come lord jesus so be blessed and comforted and encouraged by the truth that the king is coming for yeah. you amen amen well amen. this morning solomon i wonder what you've got to share with us so I'm just going to say, you've got your microphone, just go for it. Yeah, well, I, thank, I thank God for the privilege to, to speak to the people of God and also to um, discuss 
the things of the spirit because I believe that just as the first said, there are signs to show clearly that Jesus is coming back again. And just as Jesus is coming back again, we need to have that kind of mindset and preparation and to, to welcome the second coming of Christ because I believe that we have to live in a certain way Redeeming the time, just as the Bible says, because the days are evil and being sensitive to that which God is doing. Uh, but today, I want us to look at the role of prayer in, in our nation and how prayer has left the lack of prayer in our nations and cooperative prayer as, um, as the body of Christ or even with churches seeking the face of God in prayer. And so I believe that Christians and believers should steer the desire, should stir up the desire in the nation for prayer, because I believe that prayer is very necessary uh, for the welfare of the nation. And so I'm just going to base it on um, just three um, readings. And for every reading, uh, we're just going to discuss it and raise a few points about the rule of prayer the nation. So the first one will be Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, 21 to 23. It says, Then I proclaim a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God, our God, to seek him, to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, the hand of God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Amen. And he answered our prayer. Yeah. I mean, this scripture talks about uh, the, the, the return of the people of, 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 of Israel onto back to their nation or back onto their city. And they were at the verge of rebuilding the broken walls and the temple of God. And so prayer was very key at this stage. So prayer is very important in the rebuilding of the ruins of the nation. The nation has gone through a lot of difficult times of late with all that is going on with the COVID and all associated issues and problems with it. But I believe that God wants us to rebuild the nation, but prayer is a very key element in doing that. And so prayer is very, very important. And one of the things that was evident in this passage is that Ezra and the people were afraid of the future. They were afraid of the unknown. They were afraid of being attacked by the enemies on their way, returning to the place of rebuild. And so what they had to do was to pray, to make sure that the rebuild is a possibility as a nation. And so he started off by saying that uh, he proclaimed a fast Fast uh, or fasting is it's, it's an integral part of prayer. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, that these things uh, would not go except by prayer and fasting. And so Jesus fasted at the start of his ministry and he placed emphasis on, on fasting. There are different types of fasting. I don't want to go into that. That could be for another day when we have the chance, the length of fasting and how it's done. But it is very important for believers to, to fast. Some individual Christians and, and ministers and local churches and the church and even the nation are not fasting now. And some do, but they do with very little understanding or the wrong motive. Fastings are not meant to be spiritual point scoring exercises. I fasted along. I can fast for 20 days. I can fast for 30 days. It is not for spiritual point scoring. It has to be done with a motive in mind. It has to be done on the right, with the right understanding, knowing exactly what the fast was all about. So in this case, they had to fast for a reason. So in the above scripture, Ezra led the people into a collective fast, a national fasting. And the purpose was it was to have them humbled and to seek God. And so they had a clear motive and reason and understanding for the fasting. Aris, is there anything you want to comment on what I just mentioned? No, I, I mean, you're explaining it better than I could, so you carry on. 
Okay, praise God, praise God. Because I want us to just feel included together with our listeners what we are yeah. trying to actually do. So you can see that the future of the nation and the lives and the well-being of the generation after is dependent on our prayer. So whenever we are praying, we are not just praying for ourselves, but we are praying for the, the future of the nation. In this case, the Jews were concerned about the future. They were concerned about the lives of the little ones. They were concerned about the well-being of the generation after them. And for that concern to be dealt with, they had to fast and they had to pray. So the wealth and the possessions of the nation is protected through prayer. It says concerning our possessions. So it means that the possessions and the wealth of the nation can only be protected effectively through prayer. And the truth is that there are no substitutes for prayer. Even hard work is not a substitute for prayer. There's always a place for prayer. Because people say that people who tend to fast and pray are lazy people. They are not working hard. They are meant to get themselves out there and start doing something. But there's always a place for prayer. There's no substitute for prayer. And so they said that let us pray concerning the lives and concerning the nation and concerning the people in the nation. But one of the things that he also said was the fact that he said that he was ashamed to ask of the king for escort. We should feel ashamed when we don't place our faith in God. We should feel ashamed when we place our faith in weapons and military defenses, in political goodwills and alliances of other nations. He says, I, I was ashamed to do that. The reason why, uh, reason why I was ashamed is that I've said that the hand of God does a great work. It's able to sustain us, protect us, and to defend us against our enemies. And so he says, it's a shameful thing for me to then go back to the king and ask for horses and ask for weaponry. But the nation has come to a point where we are dependent on political goodwill and alliances with certain nations. And instead of placing our faith in God and in the defense and the power of God, we are placing our hope and our faith in military defenses and our wealth. And so the nation has become increasingly dependent on wealth and military strength and less and less upon God. But I believe that as a nation, God is calling us together. And we have to lead as believers. We have to lead as a church, lead the nation forth in prayer. Because it is not about military strength. It is not about the wealth of the nation, but it's about God. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31, it says this. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And so it is not embedded in our wealth. It is not found in our military strength and defenses, but the safety and the protection of the future of the nation can only be ensured when the church, when the nation pray collectively, because that is the rule of prayer in the nation. And just a couple of points on the same scripture. The people fasted with knowledge. They fasted with this understanding that the hand of God is upon those that seek him for good. That means that the hand of God is permanently upon those that seek him. And the hand of God routes good things and good works in those that seek him. So they were fasting and they were praying with this understanding, with this knowledge, that the hand of God will be against their enemies. We have not gone for the horses. We have not gone for protection from the king, but we have gone for the hand of God. So when we are praying or we are praying as a nation, we are opting for the hand of God rather than the hand of man. And so we are saying, God, let your hand prevail. Let your hand war on our behalf. Let your hand bring us victory. And when we do that, we are giving it all back to God. And the great news is that when we finish reading, it said, the Lord listened to them. The Lord answered. God will answer the nation in such difficult, difficult and unprecedented times like this. When the nation goes on their knees and begin to pray, God will always answer. So from the first scripture that we read, we can see the rule of prayer. 
in the nation. And in this case, it was addressing fear of the unknown. It was addressing the fear of the future. It was addressing issues that relates to the protection of the next generation. It was ensuring the protection of the wealth of the nation. And so the financial strength of the nation and the economy of the nation can be helped with spiritual aid in the form of prayer. When the nation comes together, when the church comes together and begin to pray. And so it says, concerning our little children concerning our lives and concerning our possession. So that is the first bit of, of scripture that I wanted us to, uh, to consider. And so any kind of contribution from your end, Aris, if there's anything or questions. I, I, I praise the Lord. It's, it's an encouragement to us, isn't it? To, to hear, hear this preached because we're not hearing it preached. We're hearing people say, oh, the, the nation should come to their knees and pray, etc." Mm. Nobody is actually leading that dynamic, mm. you know, to spearhead it. Mm. And we can all do it individually, but it's nothing like, is it, doing it collectively, corporately. Mm. Mm. And, and I think, you know, when you, when you listen to that story that you were just telling, no, it's not a story, that is, that's how it was. It's good, right? yeah. Yeah, we need to come back to those days, Solomon, don't we? Mm. We, need, we need to, even if we don't understand it, we just need to do it. Because, mm. you know, our spiritual journey in Christ then is, causes us to be unstoppable. Mm. And if we, are, if we are believing God for all the good things, then we need to come back to the Father as mm. he expects us to come. So that's mm. what I picked up from, from what you were saying there, that it is really paramount to fast and pray mm. at the same time for something specific. Mm. That's a good message. That, that's a good point to start with. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So like I was saying, uh, we, uh, like you just said, that, that kind of motivation, that kind of leadership that enables the collectiveness of, 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 of us coming together and praying is what is lacking. But I believe that we can start on an individual level, an individual church level, collectively as churches across the nation, and that will cultivate the desire for prayer. Because I believe that when we model prayer to the nation, then they will love to pray. One of the things that were very cool was very common is that when people started praying and seeking God, people were singing hymns in hospitals, people were singing hymns on the street because they came to a place that they were so afraid of the future because the numbers were going up and there were reports of the COVID spreading everywhere and people had, had the desire to come back to God. And so we have to keep that, we have to keep that fire. We have to keep that awareness. We have to keep that kind of a motivation, that atmosphere that will cause them to be attracted to God in prayer. And so we're going to move to our second example of scripture. This time we are taken from the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4, 15 and 17. Esther chapter 4, 15 and 17. It says from the New King James, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shoshan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My mates and I will also likewise fast. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did accordingly to that which Esther had commanded him. And so that is another picture of what was happening in the nation. Just to paint what was actually going on for us to see the picture. This one describes a current present danger. The first one was talking about worry about the future, being afraid of the future. But this was a prevailing danger. This was a prevailing situation. And the situation was the fact that Naaman had planned to use his influence to destroy the lives of the entire Jewish race. So there was going to be more or less a national scale of death. 
people were going to die in numbers. And that describes what we, we've gone through and what we are going through now with the COVID. And so this guy had, was, was, was a native of a land, but was using his influence to, br to bring about segregation and discrimination and, uh, among the nation. Because in this case, Esther was a queen, and it was a queen for the whole land. So even though you, she was a foreigner, there was that collectiveness as a nation. But this man, Naaman, was trying to bring division and now selectively trying to pick the Jewish race, race and just, just kill them all. And so the deaths were going on along or was going to take place along uh, racial lines, racially inspired to selectively treat certain people differently among the nation. But the Bible says that Esther told, replied to Mordecai, and it says, go gather. Again, the concept of collective prayer, praying together as a nation, praying together as the body of Christ, praying together as a church, praying together on a small scale level as the family. It says, go and gather them. So the prayer has been a tool for unity. Go and gather them because of prayer. So many a times we, we begin to wonder, how is it possible for the nation not to see the divides based on class, based on status, based on money, based on wealth? And we begin to wonder how we can address this issue. One of the effective ways of addressing this is calling for prayer or asking for prayer or opting for prayer or pursuing prayer. And so he says, go and gather them. So the motivation and the drive and the aim for the gathering was all around the center of prayer, centered around prayer. And so I believe that prayer can cultivate the habit of unity or cultivate the culture of unity across the nation. And it says, go and gather all the Jews that are present in social and fast for me and pray for me. So now you can see that the prayer is done collectively as a people, but it's geared towards the leadership of the land. The Bible says that we should not, we should pray for all men, and especially pray for kings and the leaders of the land, mm -hmm. so that we will live a peaceable life and a godly life. And so they were directing the prayer to the leadership. When we pray collectively as a nation, the leadership of the nation is affected. You know, many a times we get boiled up in the whole concept of, or the whole idea of politics and try to argue our points out instead of arguing it out through prayer. Because there are certain things that you cannot do except by prayer. There are certain places that we cannot reach except by the reach of prayer. And so Mordecai and the Jews could not have access to the king they could not have access, in this case, Mordecai could not have access to the king, and the rest of the people could not even have access to the queen in the form of Esther, even though they came from the same background and the same nationality. But their prayers were able to reach out to places that they could not go. And so when we pray collectively, we are able to influence leadership. We are able to go to the house of lords, we are able to go to the parliament. We are able to go to the number 10 and the number 11 through our prayers. Because God is going to use our prayers to connect the church and believers to people who can get access to them. And so he says, let them fast for me three days, night or day. And my maids will also fast likewise. Now you can see that the fasting has now gained access, the prayer has gained access into the parliament, it's gained access to the palace, it's gained access into the government. Now the maids of Esther who found themselves who found themselves in the palace now are being affected by the prayer. So when we begin to pray collectively, starting from our family level, starting from our local church level starting from collectively as the body of Christ in the nation, we are able to penetrate into higher places with the same culture of prayer. And Amen. so now the maids will fast, and now Esther fast, and now becomes an example in the palace that people in prominence are also fasting and praying.
And he says, ask for me, I will go to the king. Now he, she has the boldness to access authority because of prayer. So because of prayer, now the attitude of Esther has changed. Now she will gather momentum and boldness to be able to access places which were not meant to be accessed that easily because of prayer. It says, I will go to the king. I will take action. So it means that it's not just about prayer. Our prayer cultivates or our prayer instigates or our prayer uh, sort of prompts actions to be taken. The people were praying, but Esther was moving. So when we pray, things move. When we pray, things are done. When we pray, actions follow the prayer. So we are not just so ignorant that we are just saying that the solution to everything is prayer. After we prayed, we act. And so Esther says, let's pray and I will act. But the prayer is what cultivates, is the prayer is what prompts people to act. So the, the triggering factor or energy comes from the prayer that is coming collectively from the people. And it says, which is against the law. So he's willing to do, she's willing to do something which is against the law because he's been motivated by prayer. Now we'll talk about that law bit a little bit more. So it means that Esther is going to break laws. Esther will have the boldness. It says, if I perish, I'll perish. So it means that through prayer, we are able to break bad laws, ineffective laws, laws that bring division, laws that hinders the progress of the nation. Because Esther says, pray for me and I'll break the law. There are certain laws that can only be broken on our knees. It is not going out in the street in riots, in demonstration, and, and throwing stones and smashing things and stealing things. No, it's not in that. It says that pray for me and I'll break the laws because the laws are going to be broken in the spirit already. And so when I approach the king, the king would not even realize that I've broken a law because the heart of the king lies in the, in the hands of God like the cause of a river. And so by praying, you've already changed the mindset and the heart of the leadership. And so when I go there, it's not going to be an aggressive approach to the reformation of the laws, but it's going to be smooth in transmission or in, in, in transformation because we have prayed. And it says, if I perish, I perish. And so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. And so you can see that in the atmosphere of prayer, there is that kind of unity and collectiveness. But I'm going to just mention some few points, which probably I've made mention already, but some I haven't. So this example um, describes a present danger. Naaman had planned to use his influence to completely destroy the lives and the entire Jewish race. So they're going to be a national scale of death. And it was racially inspired. This scripture highlights the leadership of Esther and Mordecai were leaders who used their spiritual influence to call the Jews to fast and pray. So they were using their political influence and at the same time they were using their spiritual influence to call the people to pray. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God, I believe in God for this kind of leadership where we have leaders who are able to use their spiritual influence positively. They will speak to the people in authority and they would accept, they were willing, and be willing to hear them pray, or willing to hear their version of things. And also the point I want us to make mention is the fact that prayer influences the leadership of the nation and promotes godly principles. Prayer influences national laws and policies. Prayer helps to break old, bad, and ineffective laws, creating opportunities for the formation of new laws. So in this case, as you know, that a king asked Mordecai to write every, anything that he wanted in a letter and use a seal to go and effect that into operation. And so a new set of law came into enforcement because they prayed. And so we can change the laws of the land. You know, I know that 
it has to be a certain amount of signatory append uh, 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 to certain um, ideas for the parliament to talk about them. But I believe that we can do that also by prayer. We can break those laws, we can destroy those laws, and then create new ones. Prayer helps address racial imbalances, inequalities, and discrimination. And that was exactly what happened. Esther prayed and acted on the prayer. You fast and pray, but we also need to act on it. And so Esther acted on the prayer that they had prayed. Prayer helps to produce positive, bold, decisive leadership in the nation. So, uh, Esther says that when I perish, I perish. Very decisive, very bold, very positive. So that kind of leadership can be seen when we pray. Decisions, decisions that lead to the welfare of the entire population is made with boldness and it's made timely. In this case, they had to intercept the plans of Naaman timely because he had planned that at a certain time he was going to launch out against the Jews and kill them. And so timely and bold decisions. One of the things that they blamed the prime minister about during the COVID is the fact that there was lack of decisiveness and clarity of direction. And certain decisions were not made at the right time. And I, I blame the church some way, somehow for that because we are meant to be praying for such bold and decisive and timely interventions and decisions. And we can do that through prayer. In this scripture, they did that through cooperative prayer and they brought the nation together. New laws were made, decisive measures were made and peace prevailed in the nation. Aris, is there anything? I'm, I'm, I'm just listening here. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really blessed, but it, it's, it all comes down to more about grace as well, doesn't it? Because um, therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Mm. We may mm. obtain mercy to find mm. the grace that Esther, Esther was talking about. Mm. She, she, because that was instilled in her. Mm. And as most Christians have got that instillment of the word. And it's actually just to, to, to sort of step out and work on it. And I think all of us have times of need, but nothing as great as we're facing throughout the world at this time. Mm. And it makes sense to me to have that type of targeted prayer. It's mm. a time when we put all our beliefs into one place and mm. we don't have a shopping list. We have mm. points of prayer that are needed for the nation. Mm. And we just keep that in focus. Mm. I think you know, from there, you're going to go from strength to strength because each of us will appear before God in Zion, whether mm. we're in our own home separately praying or we're actually mm. able to meet in a church and pray. Mm. So mm. It's, 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 instead of slowing the country down mm. or feeling that we're doing nothing, um, it's rather like the Valley of Baca in Psalm 84, verse 6, I think. Mm. Um, when it added to their momentum, something added to their momentum. Mm. It was often praise, but it was always that, that, that bit of belief, in, well, a lot of belief that was in there. Otherwise, mm. they couldn't have done what they were doing. But it was right there in the Valley of Baca that they experienced God's provision for a refreshing springs. Mm. And they found that even a thirsty land uh, could find springs of water in that. Mm. And, and I think that was in Isaiah 35, verse 6. But mm. it's the same with prayer. When you're praying something strategic and corporate, mm. you come away with that burden lifted off of you and you are totally refreshed. And I think that is, that is just more to go with for the next time. So you never get tired of following through what you've just been talking about. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so, like, like you said, we need to find that refreshment, 
that kind of refreshment, that energy, that momentum that keeps us going. And um, we need to drive the, 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 the nation on our knees. We need to push the nation forward on our knees. We need to come to a place where we decide what goes on in the nation on our knees. We need to come to a place of saying that enough of that, but this is the will and this is the agenda of God for the nation. And so we pursue it. Amen. And so I want us to go to our third scripture, which is Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, I'm going to read from the verse 7 to verse 11. It says, And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, and the thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. This was a prophetic word released from the mouth of Jeremiah concerning the people. And in this case, again, they found themselves in a foreign land. They found themselves in a place where they were not meant to be. But God had an assuring word from him to them concerning what he's got in stock for the nation. But these, apart from what God was saying in terms of where he was taking them, he made mention of the kind of error that was prevailing in and among them and how the prophetic was being abused and how the hope of people were being broken and destroyed because they were having the wrong dreams and aspirations. They lack understanding of where God was taking the nation. And so he started off by saying that seek the peace of the nation where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. So very directly, God tells the people that pray for the nation of your residents. Pray for your nation. Pray for them specifically and pray for their peace. And so when we are looking out for peace and the talk about peace is everywhere. UN has been talking about peace, world peace for a very long time. But the most important ingredient that they've taken out of their talk is that they've taken out the prince of peace and the king of peace. Now, they want to bring about peace in the world, but the prince of peace has been left out of the conversation. And so he says to them, seek the peace of the city from where I've carried you captive unto and pray to the Lord for the city. So it means that the Lord was calling the people to pray collectively as a nation for the city and for the nation. And it says, for in its peace, you will have peace. So it means that the peace of the nation is directly linked to our peace. Like I made mention of the other scripture that says, pray for the kings and the leaders of the nation. And so that you will have peace, a peaceable life and have godliness, able to live in peace. And so he says that the peace of the land, the peace of the nation is connected to our peace. There are certain laws that the, 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 the government and the leaders of the nation passes. And what it does is that it cripples the church and it makes the church ineffective. It affects us. It affects the peace of the church, the progress of the church. It affects the well-being of the Christian, of Christians in the nation and, and our faith also. But the Bible says that when we pray for the peace of the nation, then we are able to live a peaceable life and also have the privilege of living a godly life also. But it says something. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of things that have been perceived as being the truth. 
even sometimes from the mouths of those called prophets and diviners. It means that there's a lot of error going around the nation. I don't know how it, 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 is, it is in the Western world, but uh, from Africa and other places, even in the U.S., there's a prevalence of strange and false prophets coming up with things that they call that say the Lord, addressing the people and addressing the nation, trying to even predict the results of, of elections when they've not heard anything. God can speak, I believe in that, but people are making up prophetic messages based on political lines and political affiliations and their belief systems, which are not necessarily from God. And so he says, do not let the prophets and the diviners, the one that deceive you, the one that speaks to you of things that have not said, now listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed or cause, uh, I've caused you to dream. That is to say that we have been given visions, aspirations. We've been given hope. We've been, been given dreams which are not consistent with the will of God. And so we address the hope of the next generation. We address the dreams of the next generation through prayer. It says, pray for the peace of the nation. Pray so that the dreams of the young ones will not fail, that your dreams will not be based on falsehood, but be based on the truth of God's word. And we can do this by praying, because we are not hearing from false prophets, uh, prophets anymore, but we are hearing from the prophets of God when we pray, that the voice of God becomes clear in the nation, that the words of the Lord becomes clear to the people. This is what God is saying, and this is what man has decided to say or to decide to do. And so by prayer, we are addressing the spirit of divination. We are addressing demonic spirit, and we are addressing the spirit of error that is hovering around the nation. And so it's, it's a very, very powerful tool when we pray concerning the nation, because they are rulers that rule over the nation demonically. They are, they are spirit of divination that is ruling across the nation, and we are able to address them all through prayer. And it says this, for they prophesy falsely to you. In my name, they use my name wrongly. They are prophesying that the reason why the nation is confused is that there's, there's becoming a significant number of such prophets that the nation is even confused as to whether, whether they're any true ones. Because all that they can perceive is a prophet, somebody that stands up and begins to prophesy. He gives about 100 prophecies. And if he's lucky that one of them is fulfilled, then he makes a whole story about the one that gets fulfilled, that are prophesied and it came into existence. However, he prophesied hundreds of them. He made things up. And just by sheer coincidence and probability, one of them has been fulfilled. And so he says, they are prophesying in my name. And he says, I have not sent them. So we are dealing with false prophets who have not been sent by God through prayer. So it becomes clear to the nation, the voice of the Lord, it becomes clear to the nation what God is saying to his people. And now he says this now, for thus fear the Lord after 70 years. Now he is telling them his agenda for the nation. There's always an, a, an agenda, divine agenda for the nation. There's an agenda for the UK. And so I believe that God wants us to know that will, that agenda. It says, after 40 years has ended, as you being in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. So God wants to visit us, but it takes a nation that prays to know the agenda and the plans of God, what God has got in stock for the nation. And so when we begin to pray, we are activating the plans of God for the nation. We are bringing into enforcement the real agenda of God. And I believe that there's an agenda of God for the nation of UK. I believe that in the midst of this um, um, uh, Brexit and uh, on back of the Brexit, the COVID and everything that is going on, I believe that in the midst of all this chaos, there is something that God is saying. 
there's something that God wants to fulfill in the nation. And so he was making known unto Jeremiah, all that you need to do is to activate an environment of prayer, making sure that there's peace in the nation. And that will make sure that my gender is prepared to be fulfilled in the lives of the people. And it says, and to cause you to return to this place. And it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. So the thoughts of God is made clear in the atmosphere of prayer. And it says, say the Lord, these are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Evil thoughts are dealt with because yeah. they are called evil imaginations. It says every thought that rises itself, every imagination that rises itself against you. And so when we begin to pray, we are dealing with the thoughts of the enemy, evil thoughts of the enemy, and invoking the real peaceful thoughts and the blessful thoughts of God over the nation. And it says to give you a future and, and, and a hope. And so the future of the nation, the hope of the nation is ensured when we come together as families, when we come together as local churches, when we come together as a church and as a nation, and we begin to pray. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to summarize a few points, and then I'll give it back to you, Aris. Even in exile, Jeremiah tells the people to pray for their resident nation, even in exile. So regardless of how we feel the nation is out, and we've been hijacked and kidnapped by the COVID, and the COVID is now detecting how we have to live our lives. It, 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 it's a symbolic of the people of, of, of Israel finding themselves in, in, in bondage. But God still says, begin to pray, pray, still pray in that position. Prayer plays an important role in ensuring the peace of the nation. National peace is always reflected in the lives of the individuals. So first, seek the peace of the nation through prayer, and it will, reflect, it will reflect in the lives of the people. Prayer addresses deception and demonic influences over the nation. Prayer helps to deal with the false aspirations and the dreams of the people. Prayer paves the way for the truth, the voice of God to be heard, and it exposes fake gifts. Prayer prepares the people for the manifestation of God's perfect will for the nation. And prayer enables the nation to be assured of God's plan for the future. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Aris, is there anything you want to say, add to it? Yeah, I could sit here for, for hours listening to this because this is so much what we need. And, and it was just going through my mind that um, I just made a couple of notes there. You know, on our spiritual journey in Christ, you know, we just ought to be unstoppable. We are unstoppable, but we need to realize okay. it and carry on. Okay. And um, 2 Corinthians, I think it is, 5, 7, Paul tells us that we walk or travel by faith and not by sight. Mm. And then we can add in chapter 4, verse 16, we do not lose heart. That mm. is so difficult. So no, I wouldn't say difficult, that is at the moment, I can understand exactly where mm. people are, so we don't lose heart. Mm. And even mm. though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. And mm. our faith, it's our faith that takes us from strength to strength. Mm. By faith, even our weaknesses can be made strong. Mm. And those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like with, with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. But there are there is one verse that God has really been speaking to me about almost daily, and that is two chronicles chapter seven verses thirteen and fourteen, really the whole chapter. But this is God asked us to do four things and then he will act. Don't take God for granted. We we have our bit to do. And if we want to see God move, we have to pray. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, there is number one. If we humble ourselves, come on. Sometimes prayer is hard to get on our knees. Say, oh, okay, let's let's get to this. No, we've got to really humble ourselves and want to come before God. And the second one is pray and seek my face. 
and the fourth one is repent we have to repent before we can we have to come clean before god and that means completely turning away from any sin whatsoever even the minutest little thing just to turn away from it and just not do it again because then god says i will forgive I will forgive them and I will heal their lands. That's our nations. Mm. Mm. So four mm. points. Mm. With all the proof that you've had this morning, I know that there is more to come. Mm. So I, I'm just going to rest in what you've been saying, Solomon, and look forward mm. to the next next mm. um, episode. Yeah. If you like. yeah. 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 It's been wonderful yeah. to have you with us. So thank you very much. Praise God. We just want to bless you there. Praise God. I thank God for the radio. And I, I believe that it is a tool that God is giving you and, and Jeff to impact the lives of people. And one thing that I prayed for the few times that we, we met, I mean, several times we met, is that I pray that the Lord will gift you with sound health, that the Lord will make you to enjoy sound health because there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done, and there's a lot that you've done so far. But I believe that God placed this vision upon your heart because of some certain things that He wanted to or you wanted to do around Kent. And I believe that Kent is strategically positioned in the spirit to be a source of revival across the UK. Yes. And uh, yes. it's going to come in a way and through people that are not really recognized and people that are not really known. And I believe that you are one of them families who God is using and to reach out into people's homes. Many a times we fail to acknowledge the fact that or even know how much impact that we are making in the lives of people. It might be a few people for now. It might be a handful of people a hundred people, a thousand people, but I believe that just as you've availed yourself and yielded yourself to do that which you're doing, I believe that is setting um, the platform and creating a scene for greater revival across across Kent and across UK. So I bless God for your life. I bless God for the life of Jeff. And uh, I pray that the grace and the anointing of God will be great upon you. Never say that I mean, you're too old to do anything significant. God says that you're going to do even more and greater. And so believe God for a different dimension of wisdom, a different dimension of knowledge, and a different dimension of grace to reach out to certain people that have not had the opportunity to hear certain things that God wants them to hear. So I thank God for the radio. I thank God for your life. I thank God for the life of Jeff. God bless you. You too. We'll see you again. Bye-bye, everybody. We will be back. Bye.